Welcome to the Circle 31 Podcast. I'm your host, Ayanna Robinson-Dixon, and this is The Love Series. My guest today is Darla Collinette. And what I believe you will glean from this episode, among many other things, is how to heal from abusive relationships and how to allow Christ's love for you to blossom into a healthy, Christ-centered love for self. Now here is my conversation with Darla Collinette. Hi, my name is Darla Collinette. I am an author, a speaker, a consultant about abuse with churches, and I'm also an artist in my free time. I live in beautiful Colorado with my husband, Alan, and in our spare time, we like to travel. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Circle 31 podcast. Oh, I'm so excited about this. So, Darla, I'd like you to talk to us about love and how love is defined for the believer. In the Bible, God tells us that God is love from 1 John 4, 7. That's where love comes from. However, we're all born in our sinful states and we're all born to many different cultures and all throughout the world. So what we come to know as love is actually formed from the messages we hear, the beliefs we're around, the role models that we have, and our experiences. However, we don't really get all of this. We just kind of learn and grow, learn and grow. And then we're also influenced by the world. So for a believer, when you start following Christ, you come with this whole backpack of preconceived what is love, what is not love. And so it's very, very difficult for many believers to really tell you what that is. Is it just an emotion? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? And this is where we get all confused. So when we can learn what Christ's love is compared to the things we've learned, which can be very unhealthy and very abusive, then we start realizing, oh my gosh, what is my definition of love? So then we start exploring, what do I believe? What has been my definition throughout my life? Where did it come from? Does it match up with Christ? Because that's where we come in trouble. That's where I came in trouble and ended up in um, 30 years of abuse in three different marriages to Christian men who thought, you know, they loved God too. But when you're all having unhealthy and toxic, abusive behaviors, you have no idea, you know? And I remember going to church and, and people saying, you know, love like Jesus. Well, that went through my filter of this is what I think love is, which had a lot of unhealthy characteristics. And so I didn't know there was a difference until I was in my thirties. And I really started exploring this topic. Then I realized oh my gosh, (laughs) I've been living in this whole imperfect love and thinking as long as I love Jesus, somehow magically it'll just get better. But until I started learning his characteristics and then changing mine, then I started going, oh crud, I don't have to live in that. I can actually live in his and then I can become healthy. And then I began to know what, again, what is love defined as a believer? you have to get through all your junk before you can really understand Christ has a different whole healthy, different um, definition of love. 
that is a great segue to my next question because you mentioned everyone having their own preconceived notions about what love is, right? And you're bringing the yes. baggage from your past, how you were informed, um, your upbringing, your culture. So my next question is then you have two people coming together as one, right? At least that's the goal, right? So yes. how do married couples get on the same page about how love is defined in their relationship? I have to say, first of all, that I don't really know of many, I mean, most most couples, when they get married in a church, there is some um, premarital counseling. However, I don't know of any at this point who really ask questions that get to the heart of their definition of love. I mean, you talk about some things um, in your life, you know, and just how you handle some things, but you don't really get down to each person saying, okay, what does love look like? What does it feel like? What does it say? What does it do? And then how does love look in disagreements and conflict? How does love look when you're angry? How does love look when you're disappointed and you have expectations? What is love in your role models um, within, in your roles within the marriage? You know, is it women stay home and men go to work? I mean, how does this love look to you. Um, so you have all these other questions that need to be answered. Does love mean that you can disrespect and hurt each other? And as long as you apologize, it's okay. You know, does love mean that the wife submits and the man gets all the say and the woman gets nothing? You know, what are all these definitions that really need to be looked at, I think, so that then they can go, oh my gosh, yeah, we're on the same page. This is good. Or, ooh, you think this and I think that. And so we're going to have some things we need to work out here. But all of that can be solved by going to God's word and saying, okay, what does he say about this? How do we handle this? What is the next step here? And each person looking at their um, individual definitions and, and realizing I need to work on this. This is my junk you know, and then they have to work on theirs. I think when we can start doing that, what happens when we each have our own imperfect definition of love, I call it the tug of wills. It's just like one, the husband on one end of a rope and the wife on the other. And each one is jockeying for, well, I think we should do it this way because God did this and this is what I learned. Well, I think it's this way or no, this is not, you know, you just get this tug of wills constantly. However, when you both understand and learn God's word in, in the sense of how does Christ's love look, always respectful, always honoring, always um, freedom, always having a voice, always healthy, safe boundaries, that takes all that tug out of there and you're going, oh, so I want my way, you want your way, that's not God's way. So I think people can get on on the same page, one, when they're both willing, this will not work, absolutely will not work if you are in a very unhealthy and toxic abusive relationship. In fact, this can ignite more abuse because in your mind, you're thinking, okay, this is healthy and this is what I should do. But the problem is the person you're with is not in that mindset, they're in control. And so no matter what you bring to the table and trying to make things work, they're taking it as 
you're taking power and control away. And so the abuse ignites. So this was my struggle when my marriage in my marriages over the years was, you know, you go to church and learn all these healthy things and I was getting healthier. And then I bring it home and think, okay, well, this will work, except he didn't want to participate. He wasn't willing to surrender to God's ways. He wasn't willing to do anything different. He wanted his own way. He was holding on to that rope no matter what. And so that just creates there. We could never get on the same page. So both both parties have to be willing to sacrifice whatever it is in their lives to follow Christ, to be on the same page. Wow, that uh, rope visual is really just spot on. And I think what you were talking about just really emphasizes how much both parties in a marriage, that both the husband and the wife have to be willing to submit to the will of God. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it won't work. Um I, I wanted to to know if we could have you talk about the the transformative power of love, um, as defined in First Corinthians uh, chapter thirteen verses four through eight. Okay, I had a what, what a paradigm shift in my mind and my soul and my spirit um, after one of my abusive marriages. I went to talk with a pastor. And he sat me down and he asked me what I thought of marriage. And so I told him again, all my junk that I had adopted or agreed with, that was really not God's word. And so he sat me down and, and I read through Ephesians, the man's part and the woman's part, because all I ever heard in the 80s was all about women and all about, you know, this um, submission and, and just nothing about the man's responsibilities. And so I really just was like, wow. But then here was here was the aha moment for me. Um, he had me sit down and read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And he had blanks in front of these verses. And the first thing he had me do was put my husband's name in front of these. And then he had me put my name in front of these. And I tell you what, I was just like, well, that isn't anywhere near where God's word is. So I would like to share my favorite passage from this is from the message version. So I'm going to read it to you. And it says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for yourself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. So when I put my husband's name in it, just say, John never gives up. John cares more for others than for self. John doesn't want what he doesn't have. John doesn't strut. John doesn't have a swell head. John forces, doesn't force himself on others. John isn't always me first. John doesn't fly off the handle. John doesn't keep score of the sins of others. John doesn't revel when others grovel. John takes pleasure in flowering in truth. John puts up with everything or puts up with anything. John trusts God always. John always looks for the best. John never looks back. John keeps going to the end. 
you know, when, when, when I put his name in there and then I put my name in there because the guy could see, you know, none of us are perfect. And this is the thing we need to do. If you use this um, exercise, this is a tool for you to understand the truth about the person you're with and your truth. It is never a tool to use against someone or to evaluate them or to put them down. The only person we can ever change is ourselves. And all change begins with us, with God. And so when we are living in that healthy, wonderful love, God will step in. God will take care of you. God will provide doorways out. God will make things different and transform your life. Then that person you're with either has the opportunity to come along and learn and grow, or they can choose to go away, you know, um, there's nothing we can do about that. Marriage is never a, we're going to live forever for sure, because unfortunately people make decisions all along the way and they can move away from God and they can move away from you. And it's just human condition. So when you, when you spoke about uh, the scripture, the first Corinthians uh, chapter 13, those particular verses, Yes. You mentioned that it wasn't meant and you put your 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 spouse's name and then you put plugged your name in. You said yeah. it wasn't meant, it's not meant to um be a tool to use against your spouse or to measure right. your spouse, but more of a um something to examine and reflect yes. where you are. And that just makes me think about how important it is to continue to do the work. Um that we need to do for our, in ourselves in yes. Christ, of course, like, you know, being more like him, yes. uh, learning more, submitting more to his will. So my next question is where does self love and self acceptance begin? Because as you mentioned, we are a product of our environment, of our culture, and then we come into Christ and it's a whole new culture and environment, you know? Yes, it is. It is. And it's, it's vital that we have um, a firm foundation in God's word, because that's where I, I stumbled. So no matter where you're at in your Christian walk, the first thing to finding truth is to find someone to teach you how to study God's word, so that you can know how to ask questions and know what to look for and, and do some journaling and asking God questions. So where does self-love and acceptance begin? How can we have self-love and acceptance without the love of Jesus and God? We're all born sinners. We know innately any person out there that's a non-believer knows that there's some evil in them. So there's no way to accept any of that first until we come to Jesus and go, okay, Jesus, here's my heart. And then study his word so that you start understanding the truth of him. Several verses that really helped me was, I think it's in Psalms 39, when it says that God knit me together in my mother's womb mm -hmm. and that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That changed how I saw myself. It was no longer, I'm a product of an egg and a sperm. God chose my parents for his designs. He chose everything about me from how many hairs I have on my head to what my toes look like. And once I realized that I was God's creation and now I'm also his child, 
then I started going, okay, what else is there? And what does that mean? So I no longer have to go by what people have said about me and what I thought about myself and the abandonment issues I've had. Why does everybody leave me? You know, I must be totally unlovable was my messages. And growing up the way I did, my mom had um, mental health illnesses and my dad was always gone. And so there was just this feeling of always feeling love starved in my life. And so I just kept trying to figure out, yeah, how to get love and where to get love. So once I realized that God's love created me and he, he designed all these things, I started looking up part of um, what made me his, his child. And so in Ephesians 2, 9, it says we're children of God and we're also members of Christ because he lives in us. So that changes me too. How can I hate myself if I know Christ is in me? Isn't that hating Christ? That made me go, whoa. So how do I talk to myself? How do I let others treat me? This was huge in coming out of abuse because when I realized that Christ was in me and I was letting that person abuse Christ in me, it changed everything. You know, I'm his temple. He lives in me. And therefore, I have a responsibility to make sure my temple, who I am, is treated respectfully and honorably. That's when the self-love started. When I realized that I was God's and Christ was in me. And this is from this moment of salvation into eternity. As long as I'm walking with Christ. That self-love was a product of accepting and living in Christ's love. And that, that segues to the next question I have for you. I wanted you to talk to us about what it means to finally find your identity in Christ. When you find it, what does that mean? Well, for me, we were just talking about this whole process. And that's, you know, that's learning who I am in Christ, too, and what, what happened when I received salvation. The other part for me was really focusing on understanding some strongholds and sins that I had in my life that kept tripping me up. Mm. And a lot of those came from the scars and the hurt and pain that I had. It was a way to soothe them or, you know, or escape from them and, and these other things. So as I learned who I was in Christ, part of that was being able to heal and let go of those things that had taken hold of my life or just deep, hurts and betrayals that had happened. And this comes through, um, again, studying the word and knowing who God is and accepting and receiving his love. But also I did some um, internal family systems therapy that just helped me with a Christian counselor that helped me walk through it with Christ beside me and just kind of be able to heal and put those things away. As I started doing that, then those things didn't come up in my head more. And it was much easier to walk in Christ's love and realize everything I'm doing and saying is, is going to affect those around me. And my identity in Christ means that, that I have all of his love and his gentleness and goodness inside of me. I've just got to choose to use that. 
So as the hurts went away and the healing happened, and I learned more about who I was in Christ, that I'm I'm righteous and that I'm his child and that I'm a temple of God, all of those things that I learned and more through Bible study, it just began to create that Christ identity. And now I have no question, am I Christ? Am I not Christ? What's going on? When I finally had Christ identity, I realized that a true disciple of Christ occasionally sins. But those who don't follow Christ continually sin. Mm. And so there's a big difference. We're imperfect and I will. I mean, we're going to mess up every single day. And But it's not a, a actual thought of continually living in sin. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's that's a difference for me. That's awesome. So as we, we wrap up our time here, it flew by, but I do have one, one last question. Um, you did refer to, you mentioned briefly your past marriages. Yeah. Um, um, and you mentioned that they were abusive marriages. And I wanted to ask you about um, just from your personal experience and the wisdom that you've gained in your journey. Um, if you could talk to us about the impact that pride and control have um, in a marriage and then how does how does a living by Christ standard eliminate the potential of pride and control creeping up and overtaking the marriage earlier we were talking about the tug of wills and so this again is the pride my way you know you want your way your husband wants his way and the only way to eliminate that is if you're both willing to learn the ways of Christ's love and his standards and live by that. Again, you can't make your spouse do it. You can't manipulate, force. It just doesn't work. All you can do is learn Christ's ways of love and then show them by example. Hopefully he talks to you about it or you may decide, you know, we're really struggling. What have we got to lose? Let's see what this is about, you know, and let's work together. Because, you know, that marriage, you have two personalities, you have two um, definitions of love, you have your own hurts and scars, you have your own expectations. And so to get through all of that, Christ is the only way to balance that out and to eliminate all that pride and all that control and all that power. You're just partners with Christ and helping each other as you go along. That's the ideal perfect um, as, as far as healthy partnership marriage. That's what we'd all like to have. But the problem is not every marriage and Christian marriage is one of those partnership marriages. Some are dictatorships. And so I think it's just really important to know what kind of marriage you have first, because each one has to be handled very differently. Mm. If you're in a dictatorship marriage, which is very unhealthy and abusive, all the things you try to do that are healthy will backfire and create more abuse. If you're in a healthy, healthier marriage where occasionally you have an unhealthy thing and both of you are willing to submit and do whatever it is to fix the marriage, then all of these things will be wonderful and your marriage will, will be transformed and be even happier. So that is my caution um, in this talk is just to know, you've got to know if it's a partnership marriage, that means equality in all things, or if it's a dictatorship. And if it's a dictatorship, I would 
encourage you to find a Christian counselor um, experienced with abuse to understand what's going on. That That is a perfect note for us to end on. And uh, Darla, before we uh, wrap everything up, I wanted to ask if you can share with our listeners where we can find you on social media. But before that, you're an okay. author. You're an author. Yes. Can you talk to us about what you've written? Yes. So all my books are on Amazon. You can look up Darla Collinette and it'll pull them all up. But I've written a memoir of my journey. It was from my first marriage and with my children and coming out of that. It's um, very, it's very raw and transparent in the sense of, you know, what I went through. And then I have a book, Who's Writing Your Life Story, that helps you kind of just decide what you want your story to be about. The chapter you're in right now is not the end. So you have you have opportunity. Then I have um, Quest for Exceptional Love and a workbook. These books are the ones that will really help you understand what Christ's design of love is versus what you've experienced and work through that. And then I just finished a um, book called Resolving the Unhealthy and Abusive Marriage Pandemic. It's geared towards health leaders, but everybody can read this to understand the mindsets of victims and abusers and how the church is called to help them. And it also really, really talks about the differences between a healthy marriage that's a partnership, an unhealthy one, and then a dictatorship marriage and how those differ and what you can do about them. Wow, that is the, a wealth of resources there. <laughs> Thank you so much. And how do we find you on social media? Well, you can find me on Facebook. Again, just look up Darla Collinette. I'm on um, LinkedIn, YouTube, Pinterest, and um, Instagram. So you can find me there. And you can also find me on my website at godstransforminggrace.com. Darla, it has been such a blessing having you with us today on the Circle 31 podcast. You are such a blessing to the body of Christ. Um, and beyond your impact I know is uh, is felt and will be felt so thank you for sharing with us today oh it's been my honor and privilege may God bless you you as well that concludes today's episode of the love series we hope that you were encouraged and inspired visit our website at circle31internationalwomensministry.org to sign up to receive podcast updates. And as a thank you for signing up, you will receive the 28-day Love Series Devotional Guide. Check out our YouTube channel for the Love Series playlist. It's a collection of our guests' favorite songs. You can find us on YouTube at Circle 31 Women's M-I-N. That's Circle 31 W-O-M-E-N-S M-I-N. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Thank you for joining us today.